if you can go against your parents, then you won the game. You know, if you can go against that final boss for whatever your pursuit is, then you win the game. Welcome to the Entertained Podcast, where we explore optimism from different perspectives. This is episode number three. I'm your host, Anthony Thomas. And in episode number one, I sat down with my mother who shared a ton of great insight, including how to pass on values down to children. Episode number two, we explored how different levels of honesty are going to bring us different levels of our personal and relationship development success. In this spontaneous episode, I sat down with Jack Iverson Unger. And this was immediately after we worked together on a product photo shoot that we were both booked on. So this was not planned. This was very spontaneous. And there's actually some pretty good gold nuggets in here for those of you that might be facing some challenges. Jack is going to share with us some of the challenges of pursuing your passion when your parents don't immediately support your path and how he navigated those complexities. You can find Jack on Instagram at the blazing blazing. There's a little foreshadowing for you. Here's Jack. I understand you were raised just outside of Portland, um, raised on a farm? Yeah. Or a ranch? Uh, it's a farm. Farm. Okay. So My brother says we'd rather be uh, dirt farmers than shit farmers. I'd think about that for a second. And <laughs> he still explained it to me. I didn't know what that quite meant. And then it hit home. I was like, all right, I'll bust it out today. And then we can chill in the winter. All right, let's see. <laughs> That's real. That's real. That's, that why, that's why they do what they do. They like yeah. the vacation in the winter, go to Hawaii, you know, for maybe a month. Why not? Why not? I mean, you're like, hey, man, we'll just chill. We'll turn the crops later. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, come Especially back. out here in Portland. It's yeah. Wet. Yeah. If you break, that's, that's, the, that's the key is you break the winter up. Winter up here, everybody talks about how terrible it is and everything. It's just like, it's honestly not terrible unless you can't escape it. Like, if you have, if you go the whole winter and you stay but here, it it's tough. Here. It's wow. De- yeah. It's a gray and being inside, man. It you don't see the sun. You, there's so much. But if you break the winter up, you go take a trip somewhere yeah. where the sun is shining, and it's like, Portland's pretty tight. Yeah. Like, this I, is, I love coming back to Portland. Yeah. It's definitely home. Yeah, for sure. Same, same. So was that was that kind of the style, the upbringing for you? was like, we would farm, we would hit our crop, and then wintertime we would. Oh, yeah. Six days a week. Most most weeks, and then church on Sunday, and repeat. You know, I mean, ch- church sometimes a few times a week, but yeah, I'd be working. You know, after school when I come home, do the chores. Yeah. I you know, list of chores, get rewarded with the snack when I come home. Then you know, be bang bang bang. <laughs> My parents are very you know, uh, you know, just organized, mm-hmm. just punctual. I mean, I wouldn't say punctual. We were like quite off with the things, but like very just on point with what needed to be done. That still you know where I'm at now with what I need to do, kind of. Yeah, I think I've grasped a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were were they pretty? They were pretty hefty on like, this is the absolute to dos, right? You have right. to you have to take care of this. Oh, yeah. These day are the other day, things yeah. that that was every day. Yeah, I mean it was it was very structured, a lot of routine. Damn. I mean, would wake up, you know, six a.m. Coffee. I started drinking coffee real young. Read the Bible. Barely catch the bus before I you know get to school, and then yeah, just be the cycle day after day after day after day after day. Get home from school, farm, straight to it. I mean, they'd all already be farming, but yeah, as a kid, I'd come home. You know, it would be lighter chores for me. It'd be like, yeah. stack some wood, mow their grass. But in the summer, it was, you know, I was working right with the guys. You know, yeah. it'd be very picking, 
trapping, you know, moles and gophers, chopping wood again, just stuff like that. I mean, I didn't drive tractors until I was older, but a lot of, you know, a lot of the littler jobs, uh, you know, less responsibility for me growing up. Right. This is wild because this, like, you, what you described is literally like a hierarchy of a full culture. Oh, it definitely is. Where you, you just said without even second guessing, I, I wasn't like driving tractor or anything like that at this point. I was just, you know, stacking wood and things like the hierarchy of this is very oh. clear. It was, I was doing chores to maintain, you know, the wood and everything, keep, oh, yeah. keep heat in the house yeah. and every, you know, and there's a hierarchy of this. So what is the pinnacle for farming? What is the top dog? What are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> I mean, master grower, do call the shots, but I mean. I would say just being in the trenches with the guys would be like, that's what my dad still does. I mean, he probably likes doing like the, the mucky, dirtiest jobs out there. I mean, if he had the choice, but really he's on the phone, in the office, making calls. That's the way he doesn't want to be doing. He'd rather be yeah. out there shoveling or doing some you know manual labor. That's what he loves to do. So I'd say as a farmer, the, the, the top role is just keeping the guys going. Because yeah. you got, have to have someone that's there at, at that level. But like as a solo farmer, I mean, it'd just be keeping yourself going i guess at that point damn man so he went from was this was this was this a case that he just built the farm big enough to where he now had to handle the the i gotta i gotta chat with folks at the market you know and things like that i gotta oh yeah i mean it's it's just cell phone call after office call after you know i mean he doesn't really do much emailing but a lot of calls a lot of just on the phone calls but he started uh, when he was right out of high school i think he's was he fourth generation or so farmer i mean he's it's been in his blood like yeah. they have a road named after him Unger road up there in cornelius if you drive down up there off the 219 hillsborough i mean you see it i mean there's just like a century farm Unger farm and his farm and it's just like it's just you know that's what they do out there right like he knows what he's doing for sure right damn i don't think i know of anybody that's had a road named after him that is that's still alive those legacy for sure I mean, that <laughs> just shows the work right there yeah for sure that's like you know, hand them a rose. That's like some, oh man, that's that's big. So they farm mostly like berries, uh, grains, nuts. Uh, no, no, no nuts. Uh, grass seed for like lawns, tall fescue to be exact, and then mainly just blueberries and like wheat, oats, uh, yeah. some black black caps, aka black raspberries. Um, yeah. But yeah, their their main crop is uh, blueberries and grains. Yeah. Okay. And then the name of their farm? Uh, Unger Family Farms incorporated i believe hunger family farms okay so they're farming and that's been and they're very it sounds like very uh devout religious folks that are church going every sunday sometimes more often yeah i mean obviously with covid right now it'd be the zoom the zoom church zoom services, church, yeah, before covid time yeah church like, sunday and wednesday you know maybe even a friday thrown there you know right yeah. right so your bible study your sunday service oh, yeah. your yeah, yeah, small groups, everything like yeah. this. So they're, you know, logging on. Let me tune into Joel Osteen while he's, you know, <laughs> popping in or whatever it might be the equivalent for the, their their church and everything. Right? Yeah. What do you grow? I mean, I grow cannabis. Okay. It has a lot of other names, obviously, but I mean, I call it cannabis. Cannabis. So weed, hemp, marijuana, uh, the marijuana plant. What, what? I mean, there's a lot of different categories here. Can you break this down for us? What is what is it that you grow and, and it, how do you describe it from, from what it is that you, that you grow? Well, I grow, I guess, to be all technical, 
uh, medical mar marijuana for the state program of Oregon. Um, out here, we're allowed to grow six plants per patient. Mm -hmm. um, right now, I've got the two patients at my residency where we're allowed to do the 12 plants. So I got a little greenhouse out back, some lights, some heaters, fans, whatnot. Um, and that's THC. So that's uh, psychoactive. Gets you, you know, feeling either relaxed or, you know, a little cerebral change, uh, body high, um, used for medicinal purposes. Um, I also grow hemp in the summer, CBD, which is non-psychoactive, which is more uh, for anxiety and stress. I mean, I guess all the cannabis could be for stress, but I mean, the target would be for stress for CBD. Um, and that's outdoor. We do that right under the sun um, in rows. Um, and that's all dried and, and cured for smokable flour. So that's like the main product we're, we're producing right now. Right. Okay. So this is kind of multiple routes, but th this is for the sake of simplifying for folks that may not have been introduced to this before. And maybe just listening to this, this is their first time actually diving into the cannabis industry and what that even looks like. This is the same plant. Is it, is it the same plant that's grown different ways or is this two separate types of plant? Like you, you have lilies or roses, right? Everybody yeah. knows roses. You have a red rose, you have a white rose. Is this, this the same thing that you would say cannabis is, you know, one red rose? And how, how would you break this down in the most simple terms for folks that don't actually have any familiarity with the industry? I mean, to break it down simply... Um... I'll just say one gets you high and one doesn't. But I mean, from like a science term or a grower's term, um, I mean, to be honest, like most growers couldn't probably from a, you know, an eye test could tell the difference between a hemp plant and a THC plant until they're in flower, until they're making the buds that you ultimately smoke. Um, so from that statement, even then you can get them confused. Like they look very identical. I mean, even the smells are very, very similar these days, like where they've advanced the breeding techniques to bring out the best characteristics and the desirable smells and traits that people, you know, look, look for when they're shopping. Um, but yeah, once you consume it, you, if, you know, if you were a new consumer, you'd probably be able to tell real fast one would probably either settle well with your body or you'd be freaking out a little bit because you're not used to the, the psychoactive properties, um, of THC, um, your body kind of gets used to that um so yeah break it down kind of from like whatever perspective you're trying to learn about growing or the the consumer side of things right right so which one which one has the okay this is more psychoactive and you'll have you'll feel that shift when you consume it versus the other one which definitely the, the thc hands down for sure okay so THC is definitely going to be, that's just, THC is the actual psychoactive. Uh, yeah, de Delta 9 is like the actual molecule of, of the cannabinoid that gets you high. The, the Yeah, what you're looking for, you know, if you're that consumer. Right, right, right. Okay, so you come from the family who's growing and farming fruits, right? And grasses and things that, you know, consume, cons I mean, these are like consumer staples for as far back as I can remember, the old nutrition triangle had fruits in there, yeah. right? There was somewhere like uh, not the very bottom or a little higher up, not important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where would you put cannabis in the nutrition triangle if you were to place it anywhere? And at that level, do you believe that, that what you're growing, do you believe that this is a healthy thing for the world? Well, for me, it's probably the, the biggest part of the pyramid of my, my, my consumption of, of foods and edibles. <laughs> but yeah, 
um, <laughs> from the standpoint of like commodity crops or what's bringing in revenue. Obviously, I mean, I think Oregon's their their second or first highest crop was cannabis grown here in the state of Oregon. So I mean, I'd have to look really? it up to be exact. There's one one or two. I think it's like what's what it's bringing in, like yeah. revenue wise. I mean, wow, which is which is crazy. I mean, it's one of the top two though, for yeah, sure. I, I believe so. I wow. double checked that, but I think I was I was told that or seen that that stat somewhere. Is that which I didn't surprise me at all. Right. I mean, I feel the Living same. Here. Like I, I feel the same. I mean, from California, Colorado, Washington, Oregon. Yeah. Like it's like it's a given, you know, at this point, especially because it's such a massive business. And regardless of what your stance is on it, I feel you would be an absolute fool to ignore the vast amount of consumption of it, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're in a recreational state, I mean, you probably would see some sort of positive benefit from it with taxes yeah, improving, exactly infrastructure or mm-hmm. police or schools or whatever. wherever it's allocated, yeah. right? You, the the fact is, the, the taxes are being collected now, yeah, which they weren't for however many decades, centuries, even. They're being collected now, and where that gets allocated is secondary, I think, to the importance of well, yes, we have this industry that is now being taxed, and it's official it's legit this is the case where wherever our public officials decide our treasury departments decide to allocate those funds that's a different story than is the story of this is how much money is being produced for our state or our county whatever your community size whatever whatever that is so it sounds like so you believe financially you believe it's it's for sure healthy oh yeah i mean you can't deny that at all and i don't think anyone yeah i agree that's that's the point so what about on um i don't want to say necessarily nutritional i'd say more of a holistic like point of view or standpoint to look at it because like if you do break cannabis down it is a flower it is an herb it is dry just like oregano or parsley or cilantro if that's how you use it now dried um so i'd say it'd be thrown in that equation not not that you know with the herb like you're going to eat cannabis but yeah. in that realm of like yeah people were going to consume it every day in their diet whether it's you know before they eat or after they eat or yeah they don't eat you know it's just like it's part of their lifestyle what they need as medicine mm-hmm. whether people want to accept it as that or not i mean it's medicine to me for sure mm-hmm. so actually on the very first episode of the podcast, uh, I interviewed my mom. So mom was my first guest, and she's also a cannabis user. So she's been smoking. Um, she's been smoking weed for, I mean, long before I was even born. But I didn't know that she was uh, a user, a cannabis user. She smoked pot until I was in middle school, and I caught her in the act. <laughs> caught her in the act, which is a story in itself. But she's been medically discharged from uh, both the United States Army as well as the United States Post Office, medically discharged. And I recall watching, I mean, years of my life, I recall the doctors prescribing here this many Vicodin a day, this many uh, morphine pills a day, every day. I mean, up as many as like eight. Well, that's how I started growing. No way. Well, yeah, because I, I, my good friend, the Hills, Brian, Jesse, Scott, they're my, my good friends. And their mm-hmm. mom, Linda, was dealing with similar situation. The yeah. bunch of pills, patches, whatnot, you know, yeah. like heavy, heavy narcotics. And I yeah. was noticing that. I was living with them. And eventually, I was like, Linda, is there any is there any cannabis, any of my pot you want to smoke to help you maybe sleep or eat at night? And she said, oh, no, no, I can't. My kids are going to judge me. And then finally, she just opened up. And then she still consumes this day, I believe. Yeah. 
and it's helped her, you know, just if you get a couple hours extra sleep from that, you know, it's big. Can consume an extra meal a day yeah. to get those calories. That's big when you're on those heavy drugs that makes you not want to eat and for makes sure. you stay up at night. Like helps. Yeah. So that's how I started growing. I became her her grower because she wasn't you know capable or wanted to do the growing mm-hmm. part, and I was very intrigued, wanted to get in the game. Yeah, it just sparked it like that, and then yeah, the rest has been history. Damn. Patient, so you patience first for for real. That's that's my standard. I mean profit. It's nice making money and doing the, yeah. doing it, but at the end of the day, if there's one thing I want to accomplish, is helping people that actually truly want and need, need this. Yeah. So there's people that are chasing. They're chasing the buck. They're chasing. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the gold rush, and we want to chase that. You know, the, the you, green you rush. Can't, and all you, that. You'd be lying if you say you weren't. I mean, right. And that's definitely. I mean, that's a that's a an aspect of it for yeah. sure. But for you, you had this. You had this entryway. I mean, were these, these were. These were friends of yours. And yeah, I mean, they were like my, my, my second parents at the time, yeah. kind of thing. They were just taking me, taking me in. I needed, you know, needed a helping hand. They were, yeah. they were there, and I was trying to kind of pay it back. And I wasn't even really trying to pay it back. I just seen a lady that I was out there smoking. She was smoking cigarettes, and then I was like, "You want some bowls?" And then finally, took enough times of asking her to, yeah. to try it, and then she's like, "Oh, this actually does can help." Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That is amazing. So you you got your start by literally just fulfilling a need for one person that was just. This is a person that has cared for me, and obviously she's she and her family have taken me in and, and helped me out in, in a time of need. And, and now, I mean, we all I think at some point almost anybody feels that sense of it's debt in a way, right? Whether it's debt we put on ourselves, where we're man, this person was so kind to me, they were so kind to me that I feel like I owe them something. So we've all kind of felt some level of that. And for you, you were in a unique position where. Sometimes we're, I've been in places where somebody does something so kind for me and I can't even repay them because I don't have the capacity for whatever it would be of value to them or the person that has seemingly has everything yeah. that I don't have anything to provide them of value. And that's also a very beautiful characteristic of them to do something so loving for somebody that yeah, they can't get anything. Back to anything yeah. Them. And here you are in this position to <laughs> receive this love from this family, but also that that very unique position where you go, I have the ability to provide something. She doesn't even know. Well, it. I mean, if anything, man, it was probably, they were providing still more for me because they gave me an opportunity. So they gave me a yeah. place to grow, a place to live. Mm-hmm. Like it was my first plant was up there at the, up the hill. Wow. I mean, I'm so, could still think about it right now. I mean, vivid as day, man. It was just like started this little seedling. It was like bag seed I got from my homie I was buying weed from. Yeah. It just hit the little tin. And I was like, oh, sweet, my first little seed. And I didn't really think much of it. And I, like, popped it later and sprouted that little seed in my homie's closet. And then his dad was, like, all, you know, confused. Like, we were growing, like, you know, some. <laughs> What's growing in my no, closet? No, he thought the DA was going to show up and he's going to lose his job. And he was just, mm-hmm. like, think the feds were going to take his house that same day. Like, I was like, no, it's one plant. We're about to get the cards. We're compliant. Had a contracts written up. I mean, definitely got me, like, up to speed to, like, all right, this is a serious gig. This ain't no, this ain't no, just growing tomatoes. So it's a little different, you know. I mean, right? People want to compare it to tomatoes, but it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. I would, animal. I would say, I would say so. So that's kind of the the coming the the origin story in a sense, right? But if you were to go back to your childhood, if you were to go back to whether it's young childhood or high school, right? What were the things? What was that trend of what you thought you would? become or be doing or what what did what you dreamt of doing when you were a young child in, in high school what i mean you? i always dreamed of being an athlete professional athlete so i mean it started 
real young. Born, I mean, I was into hockey. Didn't know a lick about it. I just thought it was cool, you know, the gear and stuff. Yeah. Up in Washington, that's where I was like, oh, I want to be a hockey player. And then that transition, I think basketball, football, baseball, you know, it's everything. And then really just in high school, it's like, all right, I'm going to make the league, football, baseball, whatever, whatever sport I thought I was going to, you know, make it whatever I wanted. And then, you know, eventually you realize you ain't. <laughs> I mean, some people, I, mean, I play with the guys that, like, yeah, they could have, they, they were going, they were destined to go to the league. Yeah. My Irla. Hate to even say it, but I mean that boy was the most talented man I've ever seen play football, man. Like beast. Yeah. But yeah, I mean Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he could have gone. But yeah, the guys were you know, next to him, yeah. We we knew we we wanted to, but we knew deep down we were like, but he knew he's he, the dude. You're like, you know he, I mean, yeah, he he yeah, he should yeah, he should be playing right now. That That's was a whole other story too. That I know that feeling because I remember I remember running track against and I remember watching our high school play football against Jonathan Stewart. Snoop. He was he was the homie. Up in Lacey. Same, okay. Yeah, in Lacey. Same hometown, same church. Uh Pastor Cecil is our youth our youth pastor, Cecil Daniels. Shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Snoop as well and his family, a new baby as well. I remember, and our whole town remembers watching him play ball, and it was something completely different. And you do see that difference, right? Yeah, talent just outshines by far. It's not. It's not even something that goes, "Wow, he's really good." It's that person is unstoppable. Yeah. When they decide, it just comes down to do they decide to score. Right now, or are they going to wait a little bit to score? It's up to them, really, right? So there's the difference. But I do want to ask a question on you. You were talking hockey. That was the first thing that came out of your mouth. You're Blazing. Yeah, you don't see too many. What's the breakdown? Black and Korean. Black and Korean. That is not a common mix. That's not a common. Well, I don't want to say that. That's not a commonly seen mix. And it's not a commonly seen either side, let alone the mix yeah. in the sport of hockey. And while we're sitting here talking about this, this is, I mean, you were, this was in the 90s, I presume? 90s, yeah, late, early 2000s? 90s, yeah. And here we are in 2021. Any black, any Asian, any Blasian kids out there, do you have a quick message for them for any, not just hockey, but any place that they might not see somebody that looks like them? that you want to just give some message to of anything they're even considering thinking, man, it's so cool that that person does that, but they don't see anybody that looks like them doing it. Is there any message that you would want to relay to kids like that? I mean, I would just say, don't let anyone tell you no, never. If you want something, I mean, as cliche as that sounds like that's really what it, what, what it comes down to. If someone tells you no, prove them wrong. Really? I mean, I don't see too many brothers or people like me growing. Like, it's a very white dominant industry for sure. Yeah. Very. Tell to anyone I know that. I mean, most of my friends growing, they're white. Yeah. They don't say shit to me like, oh, you shouldn't be here. But I mean, it's like I prove them wrong day in and day out. So, I mean, I think that's what it takes. Yeah, for sure. I dig that. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. A big takeaway. If you are even considering, um, regardless of what you look like, regardless of what minority group you might belong to whether that's oh i'm a i'm female and most engineers are male or whatever the case is if you don't see the people that look like you don't take that as your decisive move that you shouldn't go there you shouldn't go that route definitely pursue it prove people wrong it might be more challenging 
you might not have the the welcome that you would like to have or that you would prefer to have, but that doesn't mean you're not allowed. That doesn't mean you're not able, right? So no, no, not at all. Definitely pursue those. That's a big thing. I think it's that seriously, don't take that. That's a that's a very, very, very important message. Uh so thank you for sharing that. Now, when you're talking your parents, um, I'm curious. I mean, they, you grew up farming. Obviously, they're successful farming. What are some lessons from your parents that stick with you today? And I'm curious about whether any of those lessons play a role in you feeling confident to where you can go, oh, I'm going to go play hockey or I'm going to go do something. I'm going to go enter a space where people like me don't necessarily occupy yet or anything that I've seen. Um, are there any lessons that pop up to you from your parents that you were just like, you know, I mean, from day one, they taught, taught everyone. They teach everyone how to work really, really fucking hard, real hard. Yeah. And how to do it right. It's like, if you're going to do it and you're going to go out there. Don't do it. Just all right. Do it really fucking good. Yeah. I mean, they, don't, they don't cuss. They don't say it like that. But just do it really well. Yeah. And come back proud. You know, not just do yeah. it well, but come back like happy. Like you did sure. it well, like better than anyone else could. Mm-hmm. That, that's really what stuck with me but i mean in recent i would say like just my other point i mean they told me you know like they're like we ain't gonna support you in this weed growing business when i came to them like years ago asking you know for some help which serves me right i mean who am i to come to them asking to come support me and get me started on this endeavor you know they don't know anything about that at the time was illegal to them you know in their mind still is technically illegal federally so it's like I don't know. I mean, this is like kind of motivating me to go harder. Like I had to get my shit together and really buckle down and figure out if I really wanted it because like they weren't going to want it for me. So it's like kind of teaching me the hard way with a lot of things. I mean, they are very strict. And if they do listen to this podcast and never hear this, it's like, yeah, I appreciate it because a lot of people do get the easy road in the handout where it's like it's not going to stick with them. Obviously, those those lessons, it's mm-hmm. like the, the hard times, what makes you great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that I that's actually that was on my list of what I wanted to dive into. I really want to dig a little deeper if we can into this. Definitely. So one of the common things that I'm seeing and and it's very prevalent in people and one of the the very specific target groups that I want to talk to. I was sharing this earlier is people who are really driven. They they have that desire to to just really be successful in whatever they pursue, but they don't just know what that is or we we don't really feel the specific uh answer to what our desire is the desire is there but we don't know the direction necessarily so for folks like this i'm trying to do service in unpacking this experience right you lived this experience where your your parents they taught you a lot of skills that you're using today right in in growing as a cannabis grower right 100%. 100%. Maybe not the hands-on actual like farming skills, like, hey, that's how you water a plant, but just the life skills it takes to, to live. Because it's a lifestyle. Farming is a lifestyle. So, like, yeah. they already prepped me for, like, okay, I feel like shit, I ain't trying to work to their water, do blah, 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 blah. You know, like, you still got to do it. Plants don't care if you're tired or hungover. Like, you still got to wake up and do it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get a break. Obviously, there's balance to it to some extent, but, like, it's like, you got to have that consistency. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, there's a lot of there's a lot of values that came from your parents, straight from your parents. But this is a route that might not necessarily be supported by them or or it's something that doesn't make them proud. It's not it's something that it, I think they are now. They grew they they've been growing hemp last two years, which is kinda like Oh nice. They they, they listen to us like 
I I'll, I call it how it is. I mean, they they I'll say it straight up. They failed the last two years growing hemp. Like this yeah. shit molded out. Yeah. I mean, sure, the luck of the draw. They grow in the valley, so yeah, your your ideal situations for harvesting properly outside and drying it is pretty much set to zero. Which because it's like, so moist. Well, yeah, you can't feel dry. You can't even hang it in a building with. Fans running, you have to have proper ACs, proper dehumidification to pull that moisture out. And where I'm at, I'm a, you know, stick you set it up. No, I, I all said I, we, we hang it on plastic netting inside a building, like in a barn, pretty much. But it's yeah. a clean barn, no, no hay, no dust, just clean. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it still gets the job done. Like you couldn't accomplish that here. You'd have right. to end up with a full building full of black, moldy buds that you'd have to burn. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I guess to reframe. To reframe that question, it's not necessarily that they wouldn't be proud, but it's something that they're coming around with. They're coming around, yeah. And, and when you started, when you made the decision, when you said, I'm going to go do this, right? Not not even saying it to them out loud, but to yourself. When you made this decision, when you had that conversation, that internal dialogue that you were going to go about this, did you know that this was something that would have some level of a wedge between you and your parents well i was i mean yeah at first oh, i didn't think it was gonna i mean i knew it was already gonna be a wedge i mean I, in high school i would smoke get caught didn't end up good for me let's just say that yeah and now it's like you know i've been growing hemp i mean i started in thc cannabis mm-hmm. five years ago technically growing it yeah um and they definitely weren't supported back then and then fast forward to two years ago, I started growing hemp, which is more acceptable. Yeah. And then they started growing hemp, I, I believe that same year. Oh, really? Ago. Yeah. So we, my family's been growing hemp. They have their own you know, operation going yeah. in, in Hillsborough. I have my own in Ben. My sister and her husband and her family have, they have, you know, big family in Culver, which is, you know, an hour away from me, like between my parents, a little bit closer to me, but pretty much between my parents and myself. Yeah. And they did well because they're in the high desert, yeah. more drier, you know, environment. So they, they did pretty all right, I think. Successful harvest, whatnot. Um, but it's like kind of bringing us now back full circle. It's kind of right. like that, that, I don't even know how to, you know, the <laughs> metaphor would not, but it's just like that, that thing that's just bringing us back, which is like, was the most like opposite before. Pretty right, much. right. So it's when you crazy. started out, like when you were going down this road, you knew this isn't something that they would approve of. I already not, knew, yeah. Was, you knew that. You knew that. I, start, I stuck with my guns. What? How? What is it? So I want you to think back to before you made the decision because you kind of sporadically just picked up and moved out to Bend to start this operation. Yeah, I mean, I was growing a couple of years here and there in Hillsborough. I yeah. mean, I'd sold my first harvest or outdoor to the dispensary here under medical still well, um, before like, the laws were all changed and whatnot. Yeah. But like, it was, I guess, a pretty proud moment to get it packaged up with my, yeah. you know, Blooming Hills Farm, I think was what I was repping. Blooming Hills Cannabis Farm or something is what I was repping under. Thought I was, you know, I had my whole brand. I was like, dude, this guy's only grown two harvests. And this guy, you know, I was like, looking back, I laugh, man. I really do. Like, I saw my Instagram from that. It's like 50 followers. I'm just like, uh, wow, what a time to change, man. But I'm definitely looking back and proud. You know, it's all I can do is smile and laugh. But yeah. Yeah. So this is, I'm, I'm baffled by this, by this story. This is, and this is something that I think is really valuable to realize, right? You have, you have this moment, you have this story, your, your literal life story is one where so many people get caught. It's that one stage where so many people, I feel like get stuck and turn back. Like I've, I've wanted to quit so many times along this journey, like more times than I could count. Yeah. And 
you went from a place where you had this desire, you wanted to do the thing, you knew that this wouldn't be something necessarily to make your parents proud, but it's what you wanted to do. You decided to do it. You faced a ton of challenges along the way where you wanted to quit, you wanted to give up, you wanted to do all this stuff. How is it that you can stay optimistic? Because for most of us, right, when we have the idea, we 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 picture it big. We we picture us oh, hitting it 100%. big, right? I, mean, I thought I'd already be walking through facilities when I say a facility. We're talking warehouses, you know, but not hundreds of thousands of square feet yeah, of, yeah. of product of plant of yeah. whatever, right? And that could be the case for anything, whatever that may be. We we picture success so big yeah. before we take the leap, even before we even taste a slice of what it even is, right? So how do you go from that from envisioning this before you've even let your parents know before whether you're going to have the conversation or they just find out right before you let them know you had this vision of great success. How do you go from that to letting your parents know to pursuing the thing, failing, failing, keep going, keep going, failing, keep going. How do you maintain optimism through the entire process of that? I mean, it's, I mean, the plant is probably the, the number one driving force, but the failure, failure, learning through the failure is the, the biggest thing, man. I mean, like, it's not like I, I love it. It's like I look forward to failure, but I embrace it 100%. It's like if I make a mistake or if I didn't set something up right in the grow room or in the greenhouse or if I should have done step, you know, five at step two or something, like on the build or something. So, fuck, could have done, I'll do it faster next time and do it better. But just take what, you know, take a page out of that book, look at it kind of crumple up and then move on. That's kind of my mentality right now, but still remember what that page, you know, what the yeah. words were on. Like, it's like the lessons, like you better learn that lesson because you don't want to repeat that right. same mistake twice pretty much. Right, right. So I'd say that's how I embrace, embrace it day in and day out. So the big the big piece of optimism here, embracing the failure, I mean. Because it's going to come. You can't, you can't predict it. You can't, I mean, you can control it to some extent. You can stay in bed all day, I guess. I mean, but you're still failing yourself at that point. But I mean, <laughs> Yeah, go an outside at some That's point and get something done, right? So it's just like you're gonna make mistakes, you're gonna yeah. really fuck up, you're gonna do stuff on accident, even like so. But it's how you bounce back from those and get up every time you got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I and I, I love that shit. Honestly, I think I heard that so many times over the years from from successful people. You know, the the gurus of entrepreneurship, the self help gurus, everything failure embrace failure, all these things. And it didn't really click for me until recently, right? Where it was a movement from, yeah, embrace failure, all these things to, to know genuinely embrace failure. But what I love about what you said is there's a distinction between seeking failure or, or warm welcoming of failure, right? And that's how I always interpreted it is, is I would hear these guys and, and gals talk about, oh yeah, failure, welcome failure, welcome failure. And I'm like, when I welcome somebody, it's an open arm yeah. embrace. I'm not biting it in. Right. And, and that's the thing is, that's what I love about how you describe it. You're not inviting failure in. That's not what you're doing. But when failure occurs, you're keeping it real with yourself. You're being honest. You're being very transparent. You're keeping a hundred. Like, like what you said, you're like, you know, my parents with the, the hemp growing and everything, they failed and it was molding all that, and you keep it real. That's the importance I've found is you have to be honest and clear about what is going on. And if it is failure, 
that's what you embrace and then you learn from it. It's not to say I'm opening up to failure. I hope I fail so much. It's that's not it, right? Never. That's 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 definitely not. You're it. also setting yourself up for disaster if that's what you wish. I mean, you yeah, draw, you draw the energy in that you attract, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's not about I'm hoping for failure. I'm I'm pursuing failure. No, you're pursuing greatness. You want great success, whatever that is, whatever pursuit that is. And when failure arrives, you address it. You don't hide from it. You don't run from it. You don't you don't disguise it. You have to keep it real. Yo, I failed at this. Let me see why I failed at it. Let me fix it. And let me put into place a system that will make sure I avoid that type of failure moving forward. So that any other failure is going to be a different type, a different style of failure. I don't feel, I don't fail the same way again. Yeah. And then you learn just how to react better too. Because in those, those heated moments, in those times where it just happens like that, like it obviously catches you off guard where you just have a split second to react either positively mm-hmm. or negative, negatively. And I've done, you know, a lot of negative reactions a lot lately or not I mean lately but just like throughout my life yeah. like just cumulative and where I'm just learning now just like all right I can't react like that otherwise just it's going to set me back even farther yeah yeah for sure so when you have failure there's levels to this shit right so you have failure and then if you react to it in a certain way that makes your failure even worse yeah than if you react in a different way. Well, so, yeah, it's usually a relationship. So it's usually involved in someone. So if you're going to take it out, someone's like, they don't deserve it. So you're just making, you know, ex, you know, exponentially make it worse. Right. Compounding, you know, the mistake even worse. Adding more work. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. All right. Uh, to to tie a nice little bow on top of this, I'm, we'll, we'll close with something here that I, I think this was genuinely fruitful and there's hopefully some things here that will take uh somebody who's in a position full of desire full of passion to do something but they don't necessarily know i think there's some some real good nuggets here i mean you talked about moving from you know growing up and developing skills from your family and and taking the lessons that they taught you applying it to your life uh you you talked about growing uh in yourself, growing in your spirit into a position where you go from, yeah, I know my parents won't necessarily be in agreement with what I want to pursue, but I'm passionate about it. And it's something that you really do feel you're, you're doing good, right? We talked about the health aspect. You're providing something that is a healthy aspect, which we still didn't place it on the, the nutrition pyramid necessarily. For you oh, yeah. specifically, you placed it <laughs> at, at the bottom, bottom the, the base, biggest, biggest the, fo- the foundation. Yeah. So we, we still we still need to get to that, which we will in a moment. But uh, you, you talked about that, right? Providing value and providing, you know, there's purpose here. Mrs. Hill that you helped out, that she was on this pharmaceutical, these chemical concoctions of drugs. Um, you found a place where you could help her out in a much more holistic way. And she obviously benefited from that, which is a beautiful, beautiful relationship, I think. And... Also, the optimism that you have to have if you're going to move from an idea to action on something, but especially so, especially so when it's action that might not make your parents proud right away. But what it sounds like, which is really cool, is your parents have not only come around, but your whole family has actually gotten closer and you guys can now kind of bond over the same things. Yeah. Which is an amazing thing. And and I find that that's kind of how things go a lot of the time for folks that do go against whatever their family norms are, whatever the family 
pursuit is that would make them proud. When you go against that, and it really is for the pursuit of something better, something full of purpose, something that will better the world, better the community, I've, I've found that in most cases, it really does bring the family together because sometimes they just don't know, right? Sometimes they're just not aware of that different perspective. You know, they're, they're just so set in what they know or what they think, and you just have a different set of experiences. You have different information. You have different set of interactions with people, whether that's governments or laws or legality or anything, right? Medicinally, there's there's so much involved here. So sometimes it just takes you to take that step outside of what would make them proud initially. And they'll ultimately come around and realize, wow, we really are proud of you and we didn't see it. And that's what it sounds like. You, you're you kind of reaching and have reached with the family. The last piece I want to gather here, the last piece. What would you say, whether you did this intentionally or you look back now and you're just like, wow, I didn't realize it at the time, but it really helped me out a lot, right? What would you say is something you did that helped you to pursue your desires, right? You you faced the pursuit of your desires and against what is the most core to who you are, your parents. That's what holds so many people back. That's the that's kind of like the final boss. If you can go against your boss. yeah, if you play video games, you know the final oh, yeah. boss. Like if you can go against your parents, then you won the game. You know, if you can go against that final boss for whatever your pursuit is, then you win the game. What would you say is something that's an actionable thing that people can really do, whether it's, um, you know, for you, you were just, you know, you said multiple times you got caught smoking weed and you you just enjoyed it. Right. Like that was your that was your thing. And so you pursued it for you. It wasn't you. It doesn't sound like anyway you were smoking for somebody else's pleasure or anything. It was just for you. So what is it that's something actionable people can do that you could say, you know, if. If you really are going to get to a point to where you can pursue your desire and do it in the face of the final boss, right? What is that thing that you would recommend or that you say, at least for you, it worked for you to do it this way? What's the actionable item? I mean, probably myself was my biggest hurdle. I would always just hold myself back like, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough support. I don't have enough network. I don't know enough people. Like it would always be something else other than like, what I can control and like the only person you can control at the end of the day is yourself. So you got to look yourself in the mirror, find some action to take and then just go from there, which was just like, for me, it was just packing up 50 bucks and moving the bend and just hoping for the best. I mean, it probably wasn't the smartest decision. And I look back on it now, like, it was, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I obviously could have came back to, you know, the Valley and figure some stuff out, but I right. had too much pride at that point to make that decision to probably do that. So I probably would have stuck it out and then I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna say a lot of people just hold themselves back. Um, just I don't know, like scared or just feeling like they might fail, which you will. Yeah. Big or small, sometimes. I mean, yeah. but you, you you'll never fail unless you try. So I'd say like that that's the biggest hurdle you have to get over. Which for me it wasn't because I'm you know with modeling you gotta gotta go out and get it yourself. I mean, so kind I think that kind of was a stepping stone to get me to be like, all right, let's take the next step further mm-hmm. and see what you really want. Cause, I mean, at the end of the day, I never really wanted. to to be a model or do modeling it just kind of you know fell into that yeah to be honest but i mean i, I enjoy it to say at least but i knew it wasn't the path i wanted to take for the rest of my life yeah um but now i feel like you know i'm kind of at a place where like yeah i like i like what i do yeah yeah that's solid so you have to address yourself and you have to take action you have to actually do the thing and forget about all the reasons why you can't do it 
Do we have to like take inventory of yourself and just figure out, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I need to work on. This is my strengths and weaknesses and just kind of make a plan and go from there. And like, obviously you got other outside like elements pulling and, you know, tugging at you, like kind of controlling your time. If you have a lady or a boyfriend or mm -hmm. another person you're supporting, a parent, a brother, a sister, a kid. I mean, there's a lot, I, I'm just on myself. So I've definitely had a lot of time just to work on just that aspect. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I know don't have that. So it's just like that balance as well. Like a lot of people wish, oh, I wish I had the time to do what you do, but I have a wife and, you know, kid and I got to yeah. take care of my dog and stuff. Too. Right. I don't really know what to say because I'm not in that <laughs> position. So it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, I guess, guess you got to figure it out. But I mean, Good it's easier, easier said than done, obviously. So yeah. it's like kind of knowing what you want, I guess. Yeah. I think in those positions, like, having a, a a family to take care of or pets or anything uh, i think what's really important is again it, it comes down to asking a better question right it's not a question of can i do this or can i not it's not a question of uh how much time can i give to this how much can i not right because you already have 24 hours in a day occupied by stuff you we all already have that whatever that stuff is we all already have that 24 hours occupied so when you ask better questions, that's when you become better at gaining the results you're after. So instead of those questions, you can ask something along the lines of, how can I strengthen both my family relationships and my personal or professional desires? How can I build and grow cannabis and a cannabis farm while simultaneously increasing the quality of my family relationships? And when you ask a question like this, then you start to go from, do I have the time? No, I don't have the time. 24 hours is already occupied in my day. It, it goes from that and the shift goes to, well, what if I took my wife and my kid out and we had a day where we all tilled the land together and we all planted seeds together and we all had a little spray fight with the hose and mud fight or something like this together. Now that turns into a very beautiful bonding experience and you get the best of both because you get that family time and you get that time to build whatever it is that you're really after. So those questions are really, really important to ask when you get down to what the hell do I want for my life? What is this desire that I feel like I really want and do how bad do I want it? Because if I want it bad enough, I'll figure out how to get both. I'll figure out how to have a better relationship with my wife or my husband and my child and also pursue the farming or the business of whatever it is, right? There's something there. So I think that that taking inventory of yourself, that's an important part. So that's a that's a beautiful takeaway. And from what it sounds like, you, you feel or you sound pretty fulfilled in what you've done so far. And you're not even at that point where you've envisioned a massive success. You're still on the road. Oh, no, I'm still like rookie, I feel like. Right. And it's, but you, even in this phase, you still feel very fulfilled. Oh yeah. I've definitely probably haven't felt more content than I have in, in a while. Like yeah, very, very content, very, I wouldn't say happy, but very, very pleased with just the direction of where things are going. I mean, I, I, I can't deny that for sure. Dope. Lots Dope. gotten done. I love it. Well, dude, we'll wrap it up right here. I think this was super, super fun. I'm, I'm really damn glad we, I mean, serendipitously just met on this shoot tonight and here we are recording right afterwards, just spread the moment. And Getting it in. Yeah, for sure. And this is kind of what it's about, right? No excuses. Yeah. 
we could have said, oh, no, I don't have anything planned. I don't have any of this. I don't have any of that. We just made it happen. And, and this is to a testament of what you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, what, whether, whether exactly. you missed the first one. Got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. got to start. I love it, man. Go for I it. I love it. Well, much love, everybody listening. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, I hope there's a beautiful takeaway for you to take into your life and your family's lives. And then shit, until next time. Peace. Thank you.